problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so excited to have everybody along. And if, it feels like it's been forever. I, I always end every Friday with a with the show of the Work-Life Balance. Last Friday, got a chance to, to take that off and spend some time uh, with our annual what we call Daddy Camp. Uh, so for those of you that, that have never heard me talk about that before, uh, essentially what Daddy Camp is, is that started, Hallie, I, I guess this is our 15th or 16th year, but it started as I was this true road warrior, uh, leaving Sunday, coming back Friday and consulting for various organizations. And I would come home and my wife would be like, hey, let's, you know, let's go somewhere. And I was in a state that said, if I saw another hotel or got onto another flight or something like that, I would absolutely lose my mind. And so one year, um, my daughter at the time was two and said, hey, why don't you just take you and your girlfriends, you can go anywhere that I have points and I'll keep the baby for a week and just chill. And that turned into an annual family tradition. And so now, you know, my kids think up of all the dumb stuff they want to do that, that mama doesn't like. And uh, I spend the week trying to fulfill all those requests and we just have a fantastic time. Uh, sometimes we go out of town, sometimes we just stay right here, but it's just about uh, having some good bonding time with me and my children while my wife gets some really much needed rest and, and fun time. So uh, we completed our daddy camp last week. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then we just hit the ground running again. So, I mean, literally the Monday afterwards, uh, we were back on flights and, and working with clients and, and traveling all over the place. Um, but it does give me a pause for a second uh, just to talk about how much uh, from a connection standpoint, I like social media. So, you know, social media in, in the end, it can rile you up. It can be a time waster. Uh, but for me, my, my favorite use of it is when, when I land in a city, I, I check into the city to let people know that I'm there and we'll find friends and, and people and that kind of stuff to reach out to me. And so in this case, Mark McCullough, who was just on the show uh, probably a month ago, lives in Kansas City where I was. Uh, and I got a nice little Facebook message from him, ended up getting to, to meet him for dinner this past week, and we had a fantastic time. Uh, and then also through social media, just reached out to another friend of mine, so, uh, a current client, uh, and ended up having dinner with her team. So um, love social media for that aspect. So let's get into this week's show. I don't have a guest this week, so you get just me. But that's when I get to kind of riff and, and talk about things that uh, either just are top of mind or bothering me or what have you. Um, and so this one we're going to title uh, The State of Project Management. And, uh, you know, I talk about uh, this a lot of, uh, on stage and everything else, but I've got some really surprising statistics. As, you know, we're midway through 2018 and, and a lot of the studies and things have come out. Um, and I amass a lot of statistics just to help support the position of project management. Um, but it still amazes me um, the statistics that come out around project delivery, about how project management is viewed, and, you know, essentially what my profession is all about. And so one of the first statistics uh, that came out, and this was a study done by PricewaterhouseCoopers, that according to the organizations they talk to, uh, 97% of organizations believe that project management is critical to business performance and organizational success. That's fantastic. That's a, that's a great start, right? But it, it, to me, though, that's like saying, well, 97% of people recognize that, you know, snorting cocaine, taking heroin, or eating poorly is, is bad for your health. It doesn't mean that there's anything that you do about it. Because as you start to get into several of the statistics from different studies and start to analyze them, that barely over half or 56% of project managers that are on staff, uh, according, according to a source of Reich, uh, are, are certified. So you got 97% of organizations that believe project management is critical, only 56% uh, are certifying uh, project managers or using certified project managers to do that. And so this is where it starts to go downhill. So you've got now 44% of project managers that are not certified or you know, didn't really want to get into that career path in the first place. And so then you see 50% of all project management offices 
close within just three years, and that source is from Keyed In. Now, that means 50% of the PMOs that get started fail. I just had a conversation right before I got onto this radio uh, broadcast uh, with a gentleman that was explaining what was happening in his organization. So he was brought in to change the, the culture and to fix a broken process. So that means the PMO is already failing. But he has no controls or thought patterns or, or, or things that, you know, everything he tries to do he essentially gets stonewalled by the organization. And he asked me a great question. He said, well, you know, what do you do in that situation? I said, well, you know, it kind of backs up all the way to my – to my thinking right in the beginning when they say, you know, we want you to come in to fix this process. You know, my first question is, do you really want to change? And, and let's unpack that for a second because there's the want and the will. And that's, that's something that, that, that I've talked about quite a bit, right? Is, is somebody say, I may want to lose weight, but do you have the will to follow through and, and do all the things that it takes to maintain a healthy, healthy weight? Um, I may want to learn how to speak Italian, but do I have the will to put in the, the time that it takes to speak Italian, right? Same, same uh, situation here. People say, oh, let's hire this person so they can fix some broken processes, but you have to have the will to change. You have to have the will to recognize something that you've set up or something that you've done potentially may not be the best way to do that. And so what I'm seeing here is that 50% of the organizations that decide, yeah, let's do a PMO, say we don't like that. And, and if I really unpack that statistic, I would garner to say, and, and I'm just going to throw this out, this isn't a real statistic, but I would say 60 to 80% of the failed project management offices means they were being forced into uncomfortable change and therefore abandoned it because they just wanted to go back to the way it worked. Right. And so I'm seeing some of these very same statistics start to come out about agile now as more and more agile uh, uh, statistics are available to us. But we're seeing that, you know, I'm seeing statistics out of the UK that's saying 10% of agile transformations actually work, which again, 90% means, well, we started it and it wasn't producing results. So we quit. But when I start to say, well, why is it not producing results? And that's because there was an unwillingness to change or to buy in. And so when you, when you start to unpack, you know, different statistics and different surveys into one kind of thought pattern, when you start to come through these things, so I'll keep going here for a second. So we have 97% of the organizations believe that project management is critical. Only 56% of them are certified and 50% of all PMOs close within just three years. And then you get into a statistic that came from Wellington that says over one in three, meaning 34% of projects have no baseline. And, and you look at something like that and you go, wow, so how do you know if that project failed or not? And so baselining is something that, that I get into discussions with all the time with organizations by saying, unless you have a baseline, you don't know if we're ahead of schedule, behind schedule, ahead of budget, behind budget, because we're not comparing it against any statistics. So, uh, you know, again, the way my worlds collide, that goes all the way back to service level agreements for me, because what I used to say all the time when I was teaching organizations how to do service level agreements I said, unless you have an implicit or explicit service level agreement, then you have to live with the implicit ones. And so if you have no baseline, then you have to live with the implicit view of what's budget and what's scope and what's timeline. And, you know, again, using, using service level agreements, I, I say things like, well, you know, 99% needs to be fixed um, in a reasonable time frame. Right? I would see things like that and I go, well, what's reasonable? Because to you, reasonable is a day. To me, reasonable could mean 10 days. So we're way off of each other. It's, it's all coming back to the definition of done, but that's an explicit requirement versus the implicit. Um, and the one I use all the time when I'm describing implicit uh, timelines is when somebody says, hey, come right over. And I say, well, what does that mean to you? And, you know, most reasonable people will say, 
that you're on your way. And I say, well, that I actually meant I'd be there in three weeks. That's the difference between implicit and explicit. And again, if there's no measurement that you're going after, then you're living with implicit requirements or factors being thrown against you because there's no agreed upon marker or measure in which you're measuring the success of the project. And so um, all of this then starts to lead into some incredible statistics for me when you start to talk about, well, what does that cost an organization? And, and you know, I find it fun that, that you know, I talk to a lot of companies and um, we start talking about value. What's the value of doing the work? What's the value of starting a PMO, that kind of stuff. Like every time they say, hey, I want to do a project, the first thing I'm asking for is what's the, what do we get? If we do this project, what do we get? And what is the metric that we're going after? Because I need to know what success means. But most people will start a process or start a methodology without doing that. So therefore, you're living with the implicit expectations as to what value means, Right. But when you start to then take these conversations and move them into true dollars and cents, according to PMI, for every $1 billion invested in the United States, $122 million is wasted due to lacking project performance. And again, if I tie that in, the $122 million, that goes to the 50% of PMO's close, and then, you know, you've got one in three with no baseline, 56% of project managers are certified. And this all starts to paint a picture that says, what if we invested some of that waste into improving the processes? And if we were able to start to improve the processes, what are the financial gains or things of that sort? So that's what we're going to be talking about this uh, on this one. I've got a ton more statistics to go through. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break right here and we'll come right back to the work-life balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality so you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience so be the one who wins app after app day after day with agile management from CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. 
To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the work-life balance. All right, we're back to this Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're talking about the state of project management, and I'm utilizing statistics that I've gathered all over from, from various studies and, and trying to source those as much as I can to just see where we are, what, what it's like to be a project manager these days. And so we went over a, a good set of statistics just in general, uh, but I'd like to get into some of the project failure statistics now. Um, and those are always some of the favorites that people talk about. Um, and there, there's tons of studies that come out every year. And the metric doesn't really slide that much. And, and that's the thing that kind of bothers me is if, if this was, you know, a, a report on how well our schools were doing um, and that metric wasn't moving there, I mean, there would be house cleaning going on. And so I'll give you some examples of what I'm talking about. So some of the you know, favorites are around Standish Group. Uh, which says that fewer than a third of all projects were successfully completed on time and on budget over the past year. Fewer than a third. Now, again, if we don't have a baseline, we don't understand what our implicit requirement or explicit requirements are, then how do you garner success? And so that always comes back to leadership for me. And one of my favorite quotes that, that you know, I say all the time is, are you picking projects based on what you can spend or picking projects based uh, on what you can reasonably accomplish. And so as you start to dig into that, according to ChangePoint, 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy. This was you know, reinforced if you, if you read um, uh, Dr. Uh, James Norrie's book, uh, Breaking Through the Project Fog. Um, again, if you go all the way back to project selection, then what happens is, you know, we, we basically put together a strategy that goes in the drawer, then we put together a list of projects, and that becomes the driving force. And, and one of my favorite things to do when we're working with clients is, is what is the reveal. So one of the first things that we do uh, when we engage with the client, when we're looking at PMO strategy, corporate objectives are what's the number one, number two, number three, and then we just get the list of projects. We have, you know, rough estimates of cost and rough estimates of hours of, of use uh, for resources. And then we align them to those strategies because that's something that a lot of organizations don't even know, don't even do. And when you do that, then you end up with a reveal that says, well, your number one strategy is towards retaining customers, but you're only putting 3% of your effort and cost into that. So is that really your number one strategy? Because You've got 40% investment in, you know, this area, and that was something that wasn't in your top three. So your culture and your vision and, and how you're selecting projects isn't aligned with what the corporate strategy is. And so that's, you know, so when you say 80% of project management executives don't know how their projects align with their company's business strategy, that means there's no clear prioritization or linking to what the project is is performing towards that strategy. Then you look at statistics like 33% of projects fail because of a lack of involvement from senior management, right? And senior management's always been the hot button. Um, and to me, that's a pretty wide ranging thing. But if, if I can get into some of the deeper statistics, in asking why projects fail or understanding why they can't select better projects or things of that sort, Businesses identified that capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge. They don't know how much time people are spending. They don't know what a project truly costs. And, and I can tell you, most of the organizations that we engage with, when we start with them, they're in the same boat. What's funny is they will enact a project to fix that by hiring, you know, someone like us. And they'll say, you know, we, number one thing is we need to know what our people are doing. We say, great. So let's introduce time tracking. Oh, no, no, no. Well, we, we don't want to make our people track time. Okay. Well, then let's just do a resource management where the resource managers put a percentage of, of allocation towards a project so that we know rough estimates. Oh, we can't, 
we can't ask our resource managers to do that. That's just, that's just hard. It's like, so do you want us just to make it up? Right. I mean, like what you've got to be willing to change. You've got to be willing to, to put your foot in the ground. If that's something that you say you really care about or just say you don't care about it and everything will, will, you know, fall right under line. Right. And so what's interesting is that 60% of projects will have some sort of scoping document, a defined methodology, or undertake some risk management. But then if you're saying that understanding time and cost against project is your biggest challenge, then there's a disconnect there. We got to be able to, to, to fix that. Now, this next statistic to me is pretty, pretty mind-boggling um, just because I'm such a data person. And so I, I will... I will say that I'm a huge fan of data. Everything I've ever written is about how to get to the data, how to identify the data. But one of the statistics I came across that said 44% of project managers use no software, even though, and this, this comes from PricewaterhouseCoopers, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available PM software increases performance and satisfaction. And, you know, what's really uh, been amazing to me is I, I work with organizations now and we work with project management software and the, the cost of project management software has come way down in the last five to 10 years. I mean, strikingly down. And so a lot of companies, let's say you've got 200 users, you know, 200 people utilizing the tool. I mean, that costs 20 grand a year. I mean, it's really what it comes down to, 20 to 35 grand a year. And when you look at the amount of waste, right, going back to for every billion dollars, it's 122 million. But, you know, you break that down to if you're investing $1 million, right, what is that, 122,000 that, that, that is being wasted? And so if you could put in something that costs 30,000 and it's going to increase performance and satisfaction, then that would say that the ROI is, is you know, incredible. So it's spend thirty to 45000 to get rid of 122000 per million. And most of the companies that we work with are operating anywhere from $150 million and above in terms of, you know, what their, what, what their source capital is. And so to sit there and, and look at something that costs thirty grand and go, I don't know. And 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 not only that, they'll spend thirty thousand dollars going through um, the understanding of whether or not they want to do that by you know through all the demos and and you know by the time you talk to everybody and, and really understand what it takes to bring a, a software program in into an organization, then it, to me again, it's it's a no brainer. It's an absolute no brainer. Um, that your project managers, because of the complexity and everything that's going on in an organization, it, it amazes me that most people can't tell you with, with uh, a shadow of a doubt that, you know, you've got 45% of your staff available to do projects. And that leads me to my, my other uh, really striking statistic, and, and this came from Jenica, is that uh, in their survey, 75% of the IT executives that they surveyed believed that their projects were going to fail from the beginning. Doomed from the start is what they actually use. It's 75% of their projects are doomed from the start. Yet, I guarantee you, of those same IT executives, you ask them, what are you investing in project management processes and bringing in good project managers and project management software to improve it? They'll... They're not doing it. And then yet their concern is that over 75% of the tasks that they undertake, they don't think is going to, to work, is to come in on time or come in on budget, right? And, and again, because of this, then everything then rolls to the top because that lines up with another statistic that says 63% of companies defer to executives to decide when to eliminate or put off a project. That means we're going to do everything until somebody defers it. And again, 75% of those are going to fail, right? 44% of those have no software tracking. So it's all in somebody's head or on spreadsheets. And then you start looking at 33%, you know, of those are going to fail. No wonder 
that when you, you boil all this down, between 18 and 25% of projects actually succeed. Because we're not doing, in a leadership role, what we need to do in order to ensure projects like this go you know, happen. Um, but here's, here's the, the kicker, though, right? Because there are many organizations that get it, right? And I think there's a lot more that don't, but there are many that get it. But when you start to separate statistics out and look at high-performing organizations and low-performing organizations, right, that 75% becomes a lot more delineated because high-performing organizations can successfully complete within the identified parameters 89% of their projects, according to PMI, while low-performers only complete 36%. So the question becomes, of the 64%, that, that failed, what was the cost of that versus what is the cost of, of putting in, you know, proper training, hire, hiring a proper project manager, putting in proper software? I mean, to me, that's, again, it, it's unbelievable cause of a problem, clearly identify it, do nothing, and then we hope. So we want to change, but we don't have the will to change. So, some of the other things that, that kind of just popped out really quickly, um, and we'll get into the, the project management um, process, but to my point of whether or not we're investing in proper project managers or, you know, are we training them? If you look at the pulse of the, uh, or the state of project management survey that Wellington did, they said literally 8% of the 790 companies that were were um, surveyed, 8% um, always have professional PMs, meaning certified, ready-to-go PMs. 34% um, was mainly professional, so <laughs> I don't know what that means. 30% um, said they were 50-50, and the rest just use subject matter experts as project managers. That is unbelievable. And only 51% of these organizations invest in any kind of project management training. Um, and then there's a breakout of whether that's accredited or not. Um, but you've got literally 37% here that state that they don't invest in project management training at all. And so, again, why, <laughs> why not? So I guess, you know, they just like throwing money out the window. Anyway, we're going to continue down this path of the state of project management when we come back. We're going to take a quick break right here. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Are you getting the most out of your project management software? 
In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to this Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. I hope everyone's having a great time out there. We're talking about project management statistics, the state of project management, uh, and really kind of one of my hot buttons. This Look, I feel like my whole career exists in understanding and enabling the value of project management. And so to be so devoted to a career that's so misunderstood, it, it just it, it's a platform that, that I'm really involved with. And so um, one of the studies that, that we came across was talking about project management processes. And the question was posed in the study, in your experience, what typical project management processes are the most troublesome to embed? And what's interesting is the lowest answer on this is project status reporting. So less than 5% of companies said they had a problem understanding what their project statuses were. But over 51% of the same organizations listed that benefits realization was the toughest for them to understand. 51% of the organizations right now are having a difficult time in telling you what the benefit and value of the work being done is achieving to the organization. Is that just not mind-boggling? to it, it, Absolutely incredible to me. Then you get down you know, further to, to 29% is saying that change control. And again, over uh, at about 30% says resource management. So what that tells me, again, it, 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 I love digging into this with companies, is why do you do the reports that you do? Because right? we can spend, I, I watch resources spend up to 50% of their time preparing reports of things that happened last week as well as, you know, reports that nobody ever reads. And I'll give you one of my favorite um, stories around that. I was doing uh, consulting. We were putting in a software platform for a company, and they brought me this, this chart of red, yellow, greens of, you know, like 30 different metrics. And they said, you know, we rely on this report. This report is so influential to us, um, and we need you to automate it. And I said, you know, sure, let's take a look at it. And I said, so... You rely on this report. Yep, all the time. I said, you make all your decisions based on it. I said, yep. I said, okay, well, I've got a few issues. Uh, like I'm looking at project number two here. It says it's green. All of the metrics say it's green, but it has a completion date of a month ago. So it's either, you know, and I said, and the status says it's in progress. So it's a month behind. It's in progress, but it's all green. Can you explain that to me? Oh, no, that's just, that's just an anomaly. I said, well, no, actually, if you look at line four, line eight, line 12, right? I mean, it was all over this report. And I was like, all right, so let's look at the red, yellow, greens, you know, in metric number 15 here. What does that mean to you? And, of course, there was no – he couldn't tell me. And I was like, so why, why should we automate this report? And he started to get a little angry with me, and I get it. But – I started to dig in further and I go, how much time is spent in preparing and utilizing and reading this report? And so we started to analyze that and he goes, well, that's why I want to automate it. I was like, yeah, but even automating, we still have to collect all the statistics and understand where they're coming from and people have to provide that input somewhere. So again, what's the value of this report versus the decision that you're making versus 
how good the report really is. I said, cause I'm seeing a lot of green here. I don't see a lot of yellow and red. And I was like, so how many project managers do you have? And he was like, uh, we've got seven. It was like seven or eight. And there was like 400 projects on this list and they were almost all green. And I was like, see, they're either afraid to tell you it's failing or right. Something's going on here, but I don't trust this report at, at all. And again, that comes back to, right, benefits realization, understanding where your resources are versus project status reporting, which again, I'm all for a good project status report, as long as it's providing valuable information that we can, you know, work off of. I'll give you another example. Um, This was like a Fortune 30 company. Um, They have a gate process and the the intention of a gate process and a good governance gate process, uh, I've seen work really well. So I'll compare and contrast that for you. Um, so where I've seen it work really well is um, at a company uh, called Asurion. And so if you guys don't know who Asurion is, um, they, I mean, basically cornered the market on cell phone insurance, refurbishment, and now actually have a deal with Amazon that almost everything that you buy on Amazon, if you want to have some sort of replacement guarantee or insurance that goes through Asurion. Well, back in the day when they were just starting, they only had one, you know, cell phone contract, but they, they had one of the tightest government governance processes, but that was also the most efficient that I've ever seen. So I watched where really good project governance comes into play and having proper gates is ensuring that we're only working on projects that have high value, right? So, but, the, but that was a methodology that was, was top to bottom communicated through vision. Now, on the flip side, this, this you know, top 30, uh, Forbes 30 or whatever, um, Fortune 30 company, they come to us and say, you know, we want you to automate this gate process. So, when we sat down and analyzed it, we, we pointed out that it was costing the company literally almost $200 million in labor to run the gate process. And our question was, how, you know, can you attribute, say, $800,000 of value for running this $200,000 process, right? And, uh, and I, I take that back. It was in the millions. But in any case, I think it was like $2.2 million and we said $8 million. I said, so is it, have we killed projects? Have we stopped bad projects from happening? Have we course corrected projects in these gate meetings? Or are they just a formality meeting that due to the methodology, you're just forcing people through? And when we posed that question, they struck that from our report because the people that we were working for owned the gate process and they didn't want anybody to know that it could be a huge colossal waste of time. But you just look at the amount of waste that's going on. And, and so they, they put in all these processes, then those processes overrun what their resource capabilities are. So then they just bring more and more people in. It creates more and more waste and you're still not getting the benefit of running a process. And so that's always our question is, can we see a 4X or 5X value for spending the time for our resources or not? Because if we can't, then why are we doing this? Right? Think about anywhere in your life that you're spending and wasting time that you could be improving yourself. And if you just look at that and say, you know, I could cut that out, how easy that becomes. But in organizations, we just put process on top of process. I had another consultation today and that was my exact thing is, you know, I stated that what I I see most companies do is add processes, but I never see them really analyze what processes they can take away because they're doing it. You know, there's, there's never that estimation of, well, if we add 3% to, to this person to to do this process, is that equal a six or 9% return on, on their time? If the answer is no, and why are we doing it? And you get the answers of, well, that's just because we've always done it that way or so-and-so says that's really important. And I was like, yeah, but we can put it in terms that makes the decision either an incredible decision or a no-brainer, right? I mean, to, to me, that absolutely is, is how we should be regulating our decision-making. So if we look at... Um, Further statistics here, right? Um, right around to this point, according to uh, the study that was done by Wellington, 
it says that 47% of their people spend one day or more per week collating and collecting and, and reporting information on projects. So we lose an entire day, right? So half your staff is blowing at least eight hours a week to just reporting on activity that we could be doing. And again, and then if you look at, at that same user base, they're saying 55% of those organizations do not have any kind of real-time access to, to key performance indicators. So, and, and my favorite one of all is that 16%, which means 84% do not, but 16% of organizations have some sort of appropriate resource management solution where they can understand what their resources are working on and what's providing value. 84% of companies do not have that. And then 53% of those are spending at least a day or more collecting these statistics in which even when they do, 45% of them aren't real time. So by the time I get the report, it's null and void because the information's changed. That is astounding to me. I mean, you wouldn't manage, I don't know, some of you might manage your bank account that way, but I mean, just think about putting those types of statistics across normal everyday things that we should be dealing with. And that truly is letting me know where the state of my profession is right now, but the state of what people are willing to do to invest uh, in, in this profession, right? Because when you look at why people do things, it, it's incredible to me. I mean, 85% of these companies said that they implemented a PMO to get more project status reporting. But we're already spending a day or two to, to generate these reports, right? And, and I mean, really, and, and again, the, in the same study, that the smallest amount, like 11% of the organizations expect the PMO to facilitate post-project benefits tracking. Did it deliver what we say it was going to deliver? That is just astounding to me. So we're going to keep down this path. We're going to take our final break here on this Friday afternoon. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CA PPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, Helpers are elevated and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA project and portfolio management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for our final segment of the Work-Life Balance. We've been talking about the state of project management in, in several of the statistics, and I'm going to close here um, with the ones that really fired me up uh, the most. Right. So if you haven't found out, these things fire me up uh, because it means there's a, a huge market and a lot of work to do uh, out there in terms of truly enabling the value of project management. Um, and then I'll end with my soapbox for sure. Uh, the, the, the statistics that were firing me up the most was of these companies. So I'm looking again now at the Wellington uh, study and there were 792 companies that were, that were surveyed and 5% of those companies totally agree that the PMO should be recognized as a strategic business partner. If you're not investing in project management in order to achieve your strategic outcomes, then what are you making the investment for? So that tells me 95% of the companies see their PMO as a strategic business partner. There is absolutely something wrong with that metric. That the, why undertake a PMO if you're not going to make it part of your strategy? And so that, that leans back to why 50% of the PMOs, you know, shut their doors once they've gotten started. And again, the, these horrible statistics of project failure, you know, comes from the top. If you look at the ones that said that they tend to agree that a PMO should be a strategic partner. So, yeah, I think so. 20% say that. So 25% either tend to agree or totally agree that the PMO is a recognized strategic business partner, right? Then you get into the disagree and totally disagree, and that's in the upwards of around 40%. Totally disagree or tend to disagree that the PMO is recognized as a strategic business partner. But then when you sit there and look at, you know, do you think the PMO is mature? Do you think that they have great services? Um, are the roles and responsibilities clearly defined? All of those are in the 10% or less category. And so who's driving the PMO? And what should the PMO be doing? I mean, if, if you look at, you know, they say 4 to, to 5% of our projects of these same organizations always deliver their full benefits. Only 5%. And you sit there and go, well, Where's the investment going? Are you making an investment in what you're doing? And, and again, they list the reasons why they say this. And an astounding 32% of the organizations attribute their project, your poor project performance to poorly trained project managers. I mean, I don't see anything anywhere that could make a bigger case for what we're talking about in making true investment into project management than that. Right, and and that's that was a higher statistic than, uh, you know, how many of them fail because you're attempting to run too many projects, or how many of them fail because of lack of of senior management support. The highest failure rate that they're they're listing is poorly trained project managers, and that's just something that that we've absolutely one hundred percent have to focus on. Look again, I'll I'll end my soapbox rant this way, if you don't invest into anybody, right? If, if your engineering department is, is putting out poor quality, you invest in quality and fix the engineering you know, process. But in every one of those areas, when you look at like engineering, accounting, things like that, they're hiring the appropriate people to run those departments. But when it comes to project management, they just kind of pick anybody who's available. And then you see these nasty statistics and then they start to question the value of project management. Well, you can have no value in project management if you don't invest in the process, if you don't invest in the people, if you don't invest in the technology, right? And so stop you know, throwing things our way and saying, 
you know, project management doesn't enable any value if you're not going to give it the opportunity to enable the value. If I don't water the plant, it doesn't grow. Um, but I can't just have a bunch of dead plants around and wish they would grow. I've got to do activities in order to make my people grow. So these aren't, you know, huge surprises in a lot of these uh, statistics, um, except that 97% of organizations believe project management is critical, but only 5% believe it's strategic. I think that was the culmination of everything for me. So if it's not strategic, what are you doing? And if you don't want to be strategic, what are you doing? So, you know, to me, there, there's a huge state for us to continue to push, continue to understand, um, continue to certify, continue to write, continue to put content out um, and, and do that. And that's exactly what we want to do on this show um, over the coming weeks is to continue to impress upon people what we do for a living, why we do it, um, and what the benefit is of performing a profession that's so misunderstood. If you've got, you know, want to see the statistics, you want to ask me where I got this stuff, you can always hit me up on Twitter at, at Rick A. Morris. Uh, it's rick at rickamorris.com or rmorris at rsquareconsulting.com. Uh, reach out to me on Facebook. I'm happy to send any of these sources or any of the stuff that we have your way so that you can come up with what you think is the state of project management. Otherwise, we're going to continue right down here on the work-life balance in the coming weeks uh, as we've got some very exciting shows lined up for you. Um, next week, I'm actually going to be doing a full-day seminar at PMI Jacksonville, so I will not be online next week. Uh, but the following week, we're going to start to really dive into uh, some exciting things with, with future Maxwell uh, uh, guests. Uh, I've got Marissa Nilsson uh, booked uh, for the show, uh, and we're going to bring our friend uh, Colin Ellis back uh, very shortly. And so we've got a lot of cool stuff that's going to be happening here very, very soon. So stay right here with us on the Work-Life Balance. We love everybody that continues to support the show, and let's continue this conversation that's so paramount uh, to organizational success, which is the state of project management. We'll talk to everybody again um, in two Fridays, uh, as we'll do a replay next week. And other than that, please reach out to me on social media. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Stay tuned right here to the Voice America Business Network for our next exciting show. And we'll see everybody in two weeks. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.